This is Joe Burns. And Chad P. Hey, thanks for listening to the Rock School Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live Thursdays at 5. And Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School radio show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock School with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. And Jefferson, of course, was a big fan of uh, revolutions. And, and macaroni and cheese. Well, I, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And Chad P. I got six pages of notes right here that this man graciously oh, no, gave me. You, you never do that. No, I don't like you. Class is in. This is Rock School on the Rock School Radio Network, and if you didn't know it, we're going to elect a president fairly soon. My name is Candy Crowley, and we once again have a full group of people here. This man got his undergraduate at the Electoral College. Go ahead and tell us your name. Bill Robison. And you are a... Historian. Right. And over here to my left, who always enjoys a debate, our plasma physicist, you are? Dan McCarthy. Oh, and our no. own undecided voter. What is your name? You back. I did. I'm going to play the moderator today, and I'm just going to hold up this pen. Right. And that will let you know that you need to stop talking. No, I'm not going to say anything. Right I'm just going to hold up my right. pen. I'm going to talk right over All top of do. you and sort of bully the debater <laughs> and, it, it, and it, such. It won't work. Right. Yeah. Now, I love when people come in and take care of everything, so without having to concern myself with running the show, stepping back, let's hand it over to our uh, plasma physicist, let's hand it over to the Tudor historian. I tipped it a little bit by saying we're electing a president, I'm voting early, but what's happening? What are we doing today on the show? Well, we're talking about songs about presidents. Uh, with, with the election just days away, that seems like a good way to uh, cure ourselves of the uh, ongoing depression about all the campaign ads. Well, maybe uh, I'll get Romnesia and forget about it, them. It, it could happen. It yeah. certainly could. Uh, not promoting a particular candidate or party here and um, not really picking on anybody, although the truth is when you do songs about presidents, all the good songs are pretty much negative. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> the main criteria for inclusion here is the quality of the song, not the party or the character of the president. Um, campaign songs are pretty much as old as the presidency itself. There's there have been campaign songs since George Washington, and if you really want to know about them, you can look them all up and see the sheet music on the Library of Congress website. Uh, there's also a, an album of presidential campaign songs with everybody through Bush too, uh, sung by Oscar Brand. But the truth is, they're not very good. Uh, most campaign songs are just not very good songs. We do have one on the list for later. Uh, that is, but uh, they're not very good, and many of them are not very effective. Although the one that is deemed by historians to have been the most successful was Harrison Yankee Doodle, oh, well. uh, used by William Henry Harrison in the Tippecanoe and Tyler II campaign against Martin Van Buren in 1840. You mean by that was, Harrison Yankee Doodle? Like they, that's the Yankee Doodle? Right, or except a special that they, version of it. They yeah. rewrote the words. Uh, to exalt him and to make fun of Martin Van Buren. Wow. And by the way, Tippecanoe and Tyler 2 was redone by They Might Be Giants. 
Yes. Yes, there yes, you indeed. are. Wow. Who, who have a lot we're of digging songs. digging deep here. About, uh, <laughs> lots of songs Where about digging, presidents, I don't know, but we're including digging. one called James K. Polk, and one that is 21 seconds long that just says Washington, Jefferson, and that Lincoln guy, or something like that. <laughs> um, my favorite non-song rhyme about presidents is uh, in the 1884 election, uh, James G. Blaine, the Republican candidate, had been caught lying publicly, and um, his opponents began using the rhyme, Blaine, Blaine, James G. Blaine, the continental liar from the state of Maine. There you are. Well, That's the Republicans awesome. discovered yeah. that Democratic candidate Grover Cleveland had fathered an illegitimate child, so uh -oh. they responded with, Ma, Ma, where's my pa gone to the White House? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> So we've really come a long way uh, to get to the Ramones, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. So the, <laughs> the, the, the original rap started in the 80s. With, uh, Absolutely, in the 1880s, in the, 1880s, there we go. the, the, the original first rappers, uh, they didn't have a lot in the way of beats. No, uh, But uh, they definitely had the rhymes going on. Uh, at any rate, um, we want to start here with uh, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, an interesting song. Uh, by the Ramones, uh, Dan would, had some interesting comments about the musicality of this song earlier on. Yeah, this is, uh, when you hear the Ramones, I would almost put this in the uh, ballad category for the mm -hmm. Ramones, because it's only about uh, 140 beats from it instead of about 200, so <laughs> That's it's, uh, yeah, like, man, what's wrong the with these guys? Floor. They're practically laid back here. Uh, an interesting thing about this song is it, it, was, it was a song written uh, after Ronald Reagan uh, visited Bitburg, and uh, this was felt to be insensitive by a number of people because of the Holocaust. And um, as it turned out, Johnny Ramone uh, was a Republican and didn't like the fact that the original title, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, made fun of Reagan's movie, uh, Bedtime for Bonzo, in right. which he played next to a chimp. So he insisted no. that they. How could you make fun of that? No. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> he insisted that they retitle the song "My Brain Is Hanging Upside Down." So if you actually Google this, uh, it's much easier to find using the new title than the old one. But anyway, here it is: the Ramones' "Bonzo Goes to Bed." We talk about campaign songs and also songs for each one of the presidents. And you're amazing there, uh, Bill. You found, I mean, a song for just about every president from, what is it, Truman on up you found? I got six pages of notes right here that this man graciously oh, no, gave me. You, you never do that. No, I don't like you. Um, <laughs> I mean, from Polk on up. This is amazing how you found a person. But, well, there's, uh, there's actually at least one for every president because there's there's a, an album of songs out where uh, <laughs> Matthew Gherkin, Christian Kiefer, and Jefferson Pitcher wrote songs for, for the first 43 presidents. Uh, Obama's not on there because this came out in 2008 before he was elected. Uh -huh. uh, but they're, they're just so-so songs, uh, as, as is the truth with a lot of the campaign songs. But, but one really good early campaign song is one that was used in 1800 by Thomas Jefferson. Uh, the, the first real contested, strongly contested election in American history, and one that led to, to what we call the Revolution of 1800 in that there was a peaceful transfer of power from one party to another when Adams was defeated and Jefferson went in. And Jefferson, of course, was a big fan of uh, revolutions, uh, mm -hmm. both the American one and the French one. 
and uh, he and and macaroni and cheese. Well, I, absolutely, sure, absolutely. Uh, he what? used he uh, supposedly invented it. Uh, there, supposedly he did. Yeah, supposedly. These these are the facts that stick in my head. Oh, I took history in high school. Go ahead. <laughs> macaroni and cheese will stick to almost anything. Yes, yep. <laughs> I like um, this joke a lot better. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. I'm not kidding you. Anyway, go ahead. Marco Polo plus cheese. Anyway, yes. uh, in in 1800. <coughs> Jefferson's people took uh, a, a Irish jig called the Gobby O, which I strongly suspect is a song that was used primarily for dancing under the influence of yeah. uh, lots of uh, beverages. And uh, as is the case with the Star Spangled Banner, you know, it was an old German drinking song. Right. And uh, set to it some words and came up with what is called Jefferson and Liberty. There are dozens and dozens of versions of this song, most of them instrumental with, with fiddles or with fifes or with any Irish instrumentation you can think of. Finding one with the lyrics is actually kind of a challenge, but not surprisingly, uh, one person who did record Jefferson and Liberty with the lyrics is the folk singer Pete Seeger. Communist? Uh, <laughs> Communist? Well, not according to him, but anyway, oh, true, yeah. <laughs> at any rate, uh, he recorded it in 1963, a, a year, you know, full of presidential significance. So here it is, Jefferson and Liberty, Jig Away. The gloomy night before us flies, it's rainy, join with heart and soul and voice for Jefferson and Liberty. This is Rock School as we talk about the upcoming presidential election you know, they talk about George Bush II being a comedian's dream, but before him there was Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Yeah, right. Absolutely. How many of you remember Chevy Chase playing Gerald Ford on Saturday Night Live? Never, didn't put on a costume, nothing, maybe a suit. And he was Gerald, he was Gerald Ford. So I'm looking here, you brought along a James Brown song for Gerald Ford. Funky president. Hey. Yeah, you want to talk about this one there, physics man. Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't have too much insight to add to it, but I mean, James Brown is actually a pretty good political commentator. He's made a lot of really great social observations. And this one about uh, President uh, Ford, he he gets all the standard James Brown things in there. He gets like sexy and funky and wow and all these screams and all that. And it's <laughs> That's really what I think of when I exactly. think Exactly. And it's, 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 it's definitely funky and, wow. and, and it's not one of the, his best songs, but then again, Four Rows and Our Best Presidents, but it still is vintage James Brown. It sounds like a James Brown song. And so it's just it's great to listen to um Bill, you can maybe comment about some of the uh the points he raises, if you want to call it that. Well, I think the, the the greatest thing about it is that it's called funky president because <laughs> yeah. you know who who's been a funkier president than Gerald Ford was, was uh, he Ford it, Ford is that why he wrote it? No, I don't think so because the parenthetical subtitle is people. It's bad. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. I, I thought the lyrics applied much more to Clinton. I mean, you think a lot of the things in there, you think more Bill Clinton. Okay, because uh, I remember his his phrase uh, Gerald. Ford's phrase was win, whip inflation now. It was really not good. Yeah. So, yeah, let's play it. Here's James Brown. Funky president, people. It's back from 1974. Right here, Rock School. Down. Uh. I need to be the governor. All right, 
coming out of James Brown. It's time for the first break here on Rock School. And uh, I'm going to push you to uh, go a certain place on your notes because uh, we were together earlier uh, this week. Uh, I did a little uh, get-together here on campus, and you told me you had compiled a grouping of conservative rockers and Democratic Country country liberals. Country yeah. liberals, which seems sort of polar opposite of what it was. And some of them were jaw droppers. So yeah. let's talk about that for the first break. Yeah, the stereotype, you know, is, the, is that, that rock and rollers lean left of center. And as a whole, they probably do. Mm-hmm. And the country musicians lean right of center. And as a whole, they probably do. But it's kind of interesting when you look at some of the exceptions. If you look at... Uh, some of the conservative rockers, and a lot of these guys are actually Republicans. Uh, Jeff Baxter, who played with the Doobie Brothers and right. Steely Dan. Yeah. Uh, the Beach Boys. He works for the government, Jeff Baxter does. Yes. He deals with missiles and explosives. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's, he's, he's really? almost like a plasma <laughs> physicist or almost. something. Uh, the you Beach Boys are, uh, are Republicans. Mike Love, in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice Cooper uh, is a conservative who right. used to play golf with good golfer, Richard right. Nixon. Sammy Hagar. Uh, right. Kid Rock. Sammy Hagar fought with Van Halen over uh, a candidate's use of the song Right Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, many of the current members of Leonard Skinner are Republicans. Hmm. This is a surprising one. Meatloaf. Really? Um, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, Megadeth. Uh, yeah, has uh, openly campaigned against Obama. Same. Uh, is it, did it happen at the same time he went Christian? Uh, yes. Did it? Okay. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, Ted Nugent, of course, that one's no surprise yeah, right. to, to, to anybody. <laughs> what? 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 Uh, a bit more surprising, Joe Perry of Aerosmith hey, uh, leans, uh-huh. leans conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Ramone, who I mentioned earlier, and uh, Gene Simmons of Kiss. Yeah, that was the jaw dropper uh, for yeah. me. Well, you, you wouldn't expect that one. But but equally surprising on the other side are some of the uh, the, the country liberals or Democrats. Uh, Garth Brooks, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Johnny Cash. That, that uh, one amazes me because I, I read his rider one time. And he requires an American flag, required an American flag on stage and all that. Very conservative things. And the fact that he leaned left in his politicals amazes me. Well, you know, a number of years ago, George McGovern, who died just this week, uh, spoke at LSU. And he said that one of the, the big mistakes that uh, the, the Democrats had made was allowing the right to take the flag away from them. And hmm. he wanted it back. Hmm. So I guess and, Johnny and Cash rock, felt that way. And rock music. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Every right talk show, their bumper music is all rock music. Right. When did rock music become uh. conservative? <laughs> when did that happen? Anyway, go well, ahead. Uh, an, another th- this memo. one this one will come as no great surprise. The the Dixie Chicks are pro yeah. pro yeah. Democrat. No. Uh, Iris no. Dement, yeah. uh, Steve Earle, mm-hmm. Merle Haggard. What? Know, in, Didn't know in, that. In spite of the uh, the Oki from Muskogee stuff, uh, you know he he is a, a, a Democrat. Of course, you know if you think about the lyrics from that song, uh, we don't wear our hair long in Muskogee, and then see him on stage with Johnny Paycheck and Willie Nelson. There's a certain irony to that. That's true. <laughs> uh, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, Chris Christopherson, Willie yeah. Nelson. Oh, that yeah. Brad yeah, yeah. Paisley, Todd Snyder, all all pro Democrats. Oh, so wow. it, you know there there are a lot of people who violate the stereotypes there. So 
Stereotypes will only take you so far where this kind of stuff is concerned. How about that? Chad, who listens to us? KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana. I don't I don't know which way they go. I, I'm not sure either. Yeah. Also, uh, the campus of <laughs> KLSU, and uh, we thank them for doing it. Make sure you get us on Facebook, search Rock School Radio Show, and like us. You really like us. Back in a minute, I think we're talking about Nixon, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Correct. Back in a minute on Rock School. Question. It's, me, it's me, a kid me, in the me, back. Me. You have to call. Where is he? I'm back here. He's in the back. He's got hey, pink. Hey, hey. He's got pink hair. I, okay, you. No, it's not today. <laughs> um, I'm just noticing from the notes here that that you supplied us that back in the early days, like in the 1930s and 40s and stuff like that, these guys maybe would have one or two campaign songs, one, one or two tracks that represent them. But then we get into the the 50s and 60s. They start to get more and more tunes down into the the 70s and 80s. You got like 10 or 12 songs. What was the significance of when did they decide we need more music for our campaign? Well, partly that's just a function of how the recording industry works. You know, the 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 early songs. Th- there were tons of songs written about Jefferson, but there was nobody around to record them, and that's probably a good thing because most of them weren't very good. Ah. Um, but uh, the the reason we've got a lot more songs here is first of all this is this is rock school and the rock era really begins you know after world war ii so you get more songs then there's also a lot more people recording okay. uh, i also think you know rock tends to be sort of anti-authoritarian so whoever's president democratic or republican they go after them um the interesting thing though is that i mentioned earlier that rock songs are almost always negative uh the the one thing that seems to mitigate that is that the presidents who have been assassinated have positive songs about them. I'm not Uh. recommending this as a a way to get a good song about you, but um, there are a lot of nice (laughs) songs about Lincoln. Uh, There's a couple of nice songs about Garfield and McKinley. There's a bunch of nice songs about JFK. But amongst the, the negative songwriters, the most popular subjects by far are, are number three Richard Nixon, number two Ronald Reagan, and number one uh, George uh, W. Bush, Bush two, mm-hmm. and I think part of the reason for that uh, is that you know there's so much more recording being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nixon, of course, faced the counterculture. Uh, he was president during a very creative era in rock, and the Vietnam War was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan overlapped with punk. And was was a perfect sort of target for punk because he was an older guy. He was conservative and what have you. And and Bush too, uh, you know, wound up being the target for hip hop to a certain extent. Sure, it was easy. Um, Nixon, you know, attracted lots of of good songwriting. He also attracted some fairly funny songwriting. And if there's anything more absurd than James Brown doing a song called Funky President about <laughs> Gerald Ford, it is probably the Dick Nixons developing our, uh, an entire act around re-electing Richard Nixon after he left office. Fantastic. Uh, these guys were from Donaldsonville, Louisiana, yeah. and they, their whole show was built around the, the proposition that Nixon needed to be re-elected, and uh, one of their signature songs was Tricky Dicky was a rock and roll up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's play it right here. Rock school. <laughs> Tricky Dicky, he yeah, man. If he can't do it, no one can. Tricky Dicky was a rock and roll up. One, two, three, four. 
All right, bottom of the hour, but we're going to uh, walk away from seven days and 70 seconds just because I think we need to continue hitting president after president. Let me play off of what Chad was getting into, the concept of more and more songs were written about. You brought a list of songs about Nixon. Now, we just played the Dick Nixons, but... You also brought along the title Crosby, Stills, and Nash's Ohio, Country Joe, Tricky Dicky, The Honey Drippers, Impeach the President, Frank Zappa, Dicky Such a Blank Blank, mm-hmm. uh, Stevie Wonder, You Haven't Done Nothing, Neil Young, The Great Campaigner, song. James Taylor, Line Em Up, and on and on and on. Two, three, uh, so yeah, it's almost ten, yeah, ten Like tunes. you said, you could go on, and I guarantee you, if we continued looking, you could find ten more. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, speaking of Nixon... Let's move on to, and, and I think everything we've played so far has just about been all negative towards the president. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on to what you suggested was a positive, and although not about Nixon, sort of references him to show a positive spin on another president, which is who? Harry Truman. Okay. Uh, Chicago re- recorded a song about Harry Truman in 1975, and there's, a, there's an interesting connection between Nixon and Truman. Uh, both of them played the piano, uh, wow. and they were they were quite hostile to each other. But during Nixon's presidency, there was actually a rapprochement between the two men, in which they sat down I'm, and I'm played sorry, the a piano. A, a what? A rapprochement. They, ah. they they were they made nice. You don't oh, know what uh, a rapprochement is? No, yeah. and neither did you. Uh, <laughs> it's a piece of forehands a piano. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the right. thing where they actually it's, sat down and had like the dueling piano? Right, it's, it's Rachmaninoff's rapprochement. Right, exactly. That's it. Right. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that would be fantastic yeah. to watch. But, you know, Harry Truman has, has become the president that everybody likes to claim now. Uh, we, we have a handful of those. Both parties want to claim Jefferson. Both parties want to claim Nixon. I, I'm sorry, Lincoln, not Nixon. <laughs> Both parties want to claim uh, Truman. Teddy Roosevelt, and, too. I heard yeah, that, my neck yes, spinning I'm, around on I'm that I'm sorry one. about that. <laughs> But in, uh, in 1975, in, in the wake of all the Watergate business and Nixon's resignation and Ford coming to office, Chicago did this song about Harry Truman, which is very, very laudatory. Uh, very nice song, very, very pro-Truman, but it, it uses an old trick, which is to criticize uh, Nixon and Ford obliquely by saying nice things about Truman and suggesting, gee, wouldn't it be great to have you here? Uh, That's a trick that goes back hundreds of years. You know, the famous example is Voltaire writing a biography of Louis XIV to criticize Louis XV. That's what I thought. But it works just as well with Chicago, and it takes much less time to listen to than it does to read Voltaire's biography of Louis XIV. So here it is. Exactly three minutes. Exactly three minutes. (laughs) Here is Chicago. Harry Truman. All right, talking off mic, uh, Bill was feeling a bit of, uh, what would this be called, uh, uneven hand uh, sort of dinging a lot of Republicans. Right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's punch a Democrat. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, in, in, <laughs> in the interest of uh, nonpartisanship here, it's, it's worth pointing out that uh, few presidents have attracted more opprobrium from songwriters than Lyndon Johnson. Uh, most of them didn't mention him by name because a lot of the songs that were written during his time were anti-war songs that, that said more about the war than they did about Lyndon. 
but uh, you know he was just as reviled amongst the rock community as his successor Nixon was. And uh, one of the songs that certainly does mention him by name and that is also an anti-war tune is Tom Paxton's Lyndon Told the Nation, which also comes in right at three minutes. How about that? Right on the money. It's a, it's a, it's a theme. Here we go. Let's go. I got a letter from LBJ at Ted Poor. We're sending 50,000 more to help save Vietnam from Vietnamese. All right, second break here on Rock School, and I've sort of warned everybody that this is coming, but I don't know your political leanings. I don't even know what uh, everybody in the room is is registered as. I don't know if you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, but what I'd like you to do is put it on tape, put it out over the radio, handicap the election for me. Who's going to win, and if you're willing to, tell me some specifics. How will they win? If you can handicap the Electoral College, that'd be great, but let's find out. Let's see if you can just put a bet down. If you had $100 right now, you had to lay down. Who's going to win the election? Anybody want to go first? How about uh, our plasma physicist? Yeah, Who's going to win I'll the election? I'll throw it out there. Um, I'm not really sure yet, and mainly because I don't think this has been about finding undecided voters. It's finding people to actually go and vote. Mm -hmm. And I don't think either one has really mobilized anyone. I think McCain mobilized people, and Obama did four years ago, but no one's excited. And so I'm really not sure. And also, not being in a swing state, we have no idea because we get no campaign right. here. My friends from Ohio are just lamenting all the information they get. So I really don't know. I'm going to say Obama. I really think Obama. I'm, I'm going to think Obama's going to win. You want to pick a count for the Electoral College? Uh, no, I'd rather pick a count for uh, the um, popular vote. I'd say popular vote about. 50.8 to 49.2. I think popular vote will, vote will be no more than 2% total, maybe like a percent. Chad, you want to pick or are you I, stepping out? I kind of concur with uh, Dr. Dan. I, I really don't know who's going to win and only because I personally haven't really made a decision yet. And I've, try, I've been trying to follow it as closely as I can. And in my opinion, the only thing that I've really noticed is that neither one of these guys has really said, this is what I am going to do. All they've been saying is, well, you didn't do it in your four years. Right, well, right. you don't have a plan in, in your yeah. four years. And it's just been kind of this blame game back and forth. So I, I, I'm still undecided, honestly. Not going to pick? No. Are you just going to go with uh, go with what the plasma yeah, physicist said? Yeah, what he said, says. yeah. Follow He's a plasma, plasma physicist. physicist. Yeah. Hey, you can't go when wrong. When, when all else fails, follow <laughs> He's the made a couple physicist. of smart decisions in his life, so. All right. Let's see if we can get a more distinct answer out of our uh, Tudor historian. Well, it's it's hard to come up with a distinct answer on this one, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to make a possible prediction here, if you will, that we could wind up having a similar situation to what we had in the year 2000, oh, only, only in reverse. And that is that <laughs> you could have a situation, I think, where Romney wins the popular vote yeah. by a percent or two. It could be I think Dan's percent. right. I think, I think the break will, will yeah. be somewhere less than 51% to something more than 49. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that evenly divided. But you could have a situation where Romney wins the popular vote by point something sure. and Obama wins the Electoral College. I think if the election was today, Obama would squeeze it out, but there's still time left. And this has been such a volatile uh, campaign that who knows? The one thing that I would add is that the real winners here are going to be, of course, the people selling campaign ads in Ohio oh. and Florida. Oh, my God. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've been presented with an election 
that's uh, you know between darkness and light. Both sides want to be uh, Luke Skywalker against Darth Vader, but this is really not darkness and light. This is two sixty watt bulbs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tell you off of your statement. Having worked in the media for a decade plus, when election time came around, it rained money. Yeah, it rained money. So. Here's my pick. Uh, I see the movement of the polls. I see the the big mo, as it's called, momentum moving towards the Republican Party. And I really thought that the second two um, debates would stem that tide. And I, right now, I see people who are Obama supporters scrambling to find polls that are showing him with dramatic leads. And I'm calling it for Romney at about 300 votes or 300 on the on the uh, uh, electoral college. I think it's going to be a stronger win for Romney, and that has nothing to do with my vote or what have you. But if I had to lay down a hundred dollars right now, I say Romney somewhere around 300 electoral college votes because I think he pulls out a couple of the majors. I think he wins uh, Michigan. I think he wins Florida. I think he pulls out. I don't know about Nevada. But uh, I think he pulls out a few of the swings that were previously in the Democrats' corner. And I think there's going to be a couple real jaw-dropping shockers on Tuesday night. And all of a sudden, 270 gets hit and then defeated. Well, that that could easily happen. And if it does, it goes back to that first debate uh, where he was prepared and Obama was not. Right. So that's that's what I think. Again, nothing to do with our political leanings. Nope, nope, uh, I have already gone and early voted. I don't. My kids are off on Tuesday, so I can't do it. So it I'm voting for Pat do. Paulson. Are you really? <laughs> yes. I I wrote in Eddie Van Halen. When we come back, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, when we and I spelled it wrong. When we come back, we will talk about a guy who got stuck in his bathtub. Uh, listening to us across the pond, Radio Universidad Salamanca, Spain, WBSD in Bur. Burlington, Wisconsin. See you in a minute. Rock School. All right, coming out of the second break, I said a big fat guy that got stuck in the bathtub, and his name happens to be... William Howard Taft. You know, no show is complete without at least one person getting stuck in the bathtub. Uh, (laughs) William Howard Taft, our most, most portly president... Uh, a, a man who uh, fills the gap, so to speak, there you are. between Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson <laughs> and is the subject of a fairly recent song that sounds like it could have been written uh, back in the day when Taft was in the White House uh, is by the two-man gentleman band mm-hmm. called William Howard Taft. Beautiful. Right here, Rock School. William Howard Taft, yes, William Howard Taft. Okay, I'm looking down this list here. I mean, I understand writing songs about, uh, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I understand writing songs about Kennedy and Nixon and such. But you, uh, Mr. Plasma Physicist, want to play this one by Johnny Cash, Mr. Garfield, obviously about James Garfield, 1881. I mean, why? Why do you write a song about Garfield? It was president for, I mean, what, months? Well, it's a uh, why. It's a, a funny song. I put a, sort of put this song into the category of historical fiction. Um, when I don't know if it's true or what he wrote, but it's a very funny song about him supposedly dying and not dying, and everyone reacting badly to it. 
but it's just uh, I like the style of the song. It's kind of mm-hmm. written in a spoken word way, and then the uh, chorus is a, almost a gospel type sound to right. it. Right, that's, and that's a to pretty me, song. It, it's beautiful, and that's just you know Johnny Cash. You think country, but you know he's really just a brilliant musician. So why not bring some gospel in there? And it's uh, appropriate for the song. And it, it just strikes me that that's probably the way a lot of history was was you know uh, brought down over the years was through songs and. Whether they had been embellished or not, who knows? But it's a, it's a fun song to listen to. And Mr. Garfield was shot down. Yeah, he was shot down. Yeah, yeah. there you are. Here is uh, Johnny Cash, Mr. Garfield from 1965, right here in Rock School. About the time the Tombstone, Arizona, was at its rip-roaring, wild, wooliest worst. Sit down low. Okay, last break here on Rock School, and I want to say thank you one more time uh, to our two guests once again, uh, Dan McCarthy, our plasma physicist, and also Bill Robison, uh, our uh, tutor historian, for coming in. And uh, thank you both for once again giving us a break. We didn't have to prepare a playlist. Yeah, because I didn't want to talk about any of this. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the stuff that we didn't play uh, for Abraham Lincoln, Dion's Abraham Martin, and John but here are some that you probably don't know. Uh, for William McKinley, what would uh, we have played? Uh, Al Stewart's like William McKinley. Al Stewart is mm. like the, the historian uh, of, of the rock business. He writes hmm. all kinds of history songs. Hoover, uh, Andrea McArdle, we'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover. Now, he's catching a lot of heck lately. He's supposed to, he's like Glenn Beck's whipping post lately. He's like the communist of the United well, remember States. Remember the all family theme song when uh, Edith says, Mr. We could use a man like Hoy, but Hoover right. again. Hoover, <laughs> Hoover gets a lot of uh, lot of grief, like you know the Robins that GD Herbert Hoover. But uh, you know in Louisiana we have reason to be grateful to him. He's the guy that came down here and made things right after the 1927 flood. Hmm. Um, so it was one of the things that helped him get elected. Of course, then the depression happens and. Yeah. Oh, that. If the economy tanks while you're president, it's your fault. Uh, No matter who you are. Which is also part of the reason I picked Romney to win. I mean, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah, that could be right. I see a lot of really cool acts here for uh, GW back in uh, 01 to 09. You got Public Enemy, Madonna, the Beastie Boys, Pearl Jam, and uh, Chumbawamba. Yeah, lots of people wrote about W. Uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Lead Belly. Dear Mr. President. Yeah, there's tons of songs about FDR, but that's one of the best. And, of course, you know, everybody knows Lead Belly because he's he's a local boy, so to speak. Came to fame while he was an inmate at Angola Prison. Oh, really? Uh, yes, he did. All right, let's do quickly three more. Uh, Devo's Whippet never mentions him, but what president is it supposedly about? Mark Mothersbaugh says it was written for Jimmy Carter. Uh-huh. Well, Neil Young's Keep on Rocking on, in the Free World never mentions Bush's name, but it references a number of his talking points, like A Thousand, thousand Points of Light. And the right. Kinder Gentler. Kind. All right. And now let's, uh, we'll finish with Bill Clinton and then the song we're going to play. Bill Clinton, what do you got? My favorite is by George Clinton, a song called Paint the White House Black, which for a variety of reasons we cannot play on the air. But yeah. uh, it, it, uh, it has a very funny video with lookalikes for Hillary and Bill uh, that uh, you know discerning listeners may want to check out on YouTube or somewhere. All right, back to our plasma physicist. Uh, wrap us up. What are we going to go out on? We're going to go out uh, with a song by, again, another local hero here, uh, Randy Newman, mm-hmm. who just writes this. It's it's kind of inspiring, I think, and I think we need that with this whole election going on here. It makes it feel better. It's just a plea for, please deliver, Mr. President. All right. Randy Newman, Mr. President, have pity on the working man. Uh, thanks again, gentlemen. 
Come up with another topic and we'll have you back, okay? God knows we need breaks every now and again. Class is dismissed.